Hi, I'm Trinity Wheeler. And I'm Alan Shaw. And this is Rhapsody Radio. Hey guys, we are back. Say hello, everyone. Hello. 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 Hey, so we are here um, actually on location <laughs> at the Graft Wine Shop in downtown Charleston. It is the Charleston Wine and Food Festival that's happening this week. It sure is. It's two excited. doors down from the gym and our, and our friends Femi Oye to Run yeah. and Miles White owns it and we love Graft so much. Yeah, we're here we all them. the time. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. They're pretty awesome. And we are... Um, here special guesting with Gavin Shannon uh, from Shannon Wine and Company. That's awesome. Thanks, we are very excited thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. So we met Gavin when we were we were getting married and we were getting Mauied. Ma- married and Maui. Married, married and Maui. Married and Maui. <laughs> I like Maui. Yeah. Maui. Yeah. And yeah. Make was, that a thing. Yeah, yeah. That. It was during the Kapalua uh, Food, Food and Wine, Wine Festival 2014? Yeah. yeah. 13. No, 2013. Okay. Yeah. 13. So that was close. The- yeah, do you know when we got married? <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> I just know it was a long time uh, ago. Okay. Yeah. I want to check the paperwork. Yeah, I'll check the paperwork. Check, yeah, yeah. We, it Make might sure be for signed. Maybe. Yeah. And um, we were staying up in Kapalua, and we met you. Yeah. And I just remember the story. You were you were out on a boat and, and saved uh, a baby deer. <laughs> that was that was a funny story. <laughs> so, do you want to hear the story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, You're like, this story. is when I solidified my so, superhero. I was like, who is this guy? So, about 100 years ago, <laughs> someone was visiting Hawaii and thought it would be funny to bring a pet deer to oh. give to like the ambassador or some political person. So there's one part of Maui that has, still has these deer running wild. Mm-hmm. And um, we were on a dive boat off this cove. And um, the, uh, the, boat, the captain of the boat, while we were diving, had seen a dog chase a baby deer off the cliff. Oh, my god! And gosh. into the water and on the rocks. So the, so the little baby deer is screaming. And the dive master was like a huge animal lover. So I was like, let's go swim and get it. So her and I, her, her and I are swimming into this like rock garden, basically. Like there's no so beach. Treacherous. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, so we're trying to like not get smashed on the rocks, and my goggles are all fogged up. And I look up, and I, I swear I see this guy who's butt naked looking at us. <laughs> um, but like there's That's a very lot. Hawaii. There's yeah. a there's a lot going on. We get to the deer. She picks it up. She puts it in my arms, and it's like screaming and scratching and. Yeah. And then we swim back out to the boat with it, which was not easy. I but was just going to say, how does that work? I just kind of kicked on my back uh, holding okay. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. And uh, we get back to the boat, and I turn to the dive master. I go, was there a naked guy there? <laughs> and um, <laughs> sure enough, it was like a nudist colony. Yeah. Um, really? So I, uh, there actually Man, was that's why a, I love Maui. a naked that's, audience. Is this up in we West Maui? Go. Is this by Kapalua? Or where were you? Uh, it was on the other side of the island. Other side. Oh, oh that okay. makes sense. Next yeah. to Hana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think Kapalua is a little too classy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't know if there's yeah. a nudist colony. So <laughs> completely nude. Just. Completely. Yeah, completely nude. I love how that's the one thing you got from the story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, have you never been to a? a Spot where like you go in and everybody's completely nude. No, but I want to. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I've done it before. It's great. That's awesome. So, what'd you do once you got the deer? What'd you do with it? Uh, we uh, we brought it to a vet. We brought it on trip. Brought it to a vet, and it lived and happily it. ever Aww. after. That's such a sweet Wait, did you almost lose your nipple? Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it scratched pretty badly. It did yeah. not want to go swimming. Let's it just did, yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. I bet yeah. it was but its leg out. was shattered, and uh, it, oh, it was going to drown on the rocks. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's, that's amazing. A, that's amazing. So you you were in Maui, obviously, for the food and wine. Yeah. Things. And so, wine is your life. Wine is my life. And you 
you grew wine up in. Wine is life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, come on. Yeah, exactly. We have the wine out right now. Um, which is actually Raj. We met him there, too. Yeah. He was at yeah, the, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah. He was at the, the festival. So when did you know for the first time that wine was your, your passion? And yeah, that's a good question. I grew up in L.A. Yeah. Um, I was headed to UCLA to study art, to study yeah. painting, which is where my labels come from now. And... Um, I, I really didn't want to go to school in L.A. I wanted to get out of town and explore and not live in the city I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So my deal to myself was I'd do something fun that summer. And so I ended up as an intern at one of the oldest wineries in Santa Barbara, Obon Climat and Coupe. Yeah. Wow. Um, when I was, yeah, I was 18. Was, this was 2004. Um, and I just fell in love with it uh, right off the bat. So I, I like did. that summer, like, what did, you, what did you do during that summer? What were your duties? I, I did the same two jobs all day long. I stomped on stems uh-huh. that came out of the destemmer, okay. and I punched down. So I went around basically mixing, mixing the tanks, getting the cap wet by yeah. hand. Okay. And I did the, it's kind of the low man on the totem pole jobs, and I just did that all harvest long. I love that. And I, I, uh, I loved it. And then the next year I came back. I knew I loved it after the first year, but I didn't know it could be a job. Mm-hmm. And after the second year... At the end of that, I thought, I could probably do this for a living. Wow. And then, um, yeah, after I worked a third year there, then took a year off school and uh, worked at different wineries in South Africa, New Zealand, traveled through Europe, tasting everything I could, and started my own company when I got home um, in 07. Yep. Went back to school, graduated, made my mom happy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Art student. Art student, yeah. And then moved up to Santa Barbara full-time at that point, before I was half and half, obviously, school and, and work. And that, that was it for me. Um, I mean, the really strong correlation with James London's past of his music background and going to school for music and being an amazing chef. And then there's like, there's artistry. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a lot of the reasons why we fell in love, both not only with you, but also with your wine, is that it is, it is an art form and, yeah. and the wine is f- phenomenal. Thank yeah. you. So did you find that when you were, you know, when you'd started in art school and you were getting to winery, what are the correlations that you found between the two? Obviously, Gavin does all his own labels, and so his art is on all labels, and there are some really amazing ones. Um, But as far as, you know, what we learned early about winemaking, we became interested in it, is the art form of it. Yeah. And timing. Yeah, I think there's a very, especially kind of this old school style that we do, it's very... um, it's hands-off, but it's also hands-on. Like, there's mm-hmm. no... It's, it's very simple. It's, we could make all these wines without electricity. There's a lot of physical work that we're doing. Um, we're not using a lot of machines or technology, or we don't use any filters or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so there's a very kind of intuitive nature to it, which I, I see similarities in painting with, because you just kind of get into, like, a physical rhythm with it. Right. Um, so those are the main similarities I see. And then it's, it's, it's a craft, you know? It's something you work at over and over and over. You try to get a little better mm-hmm. every year. Um, you also have to have kind of like a, I wouldn't say thick skin, but you, you need to have a s- strong idea of what you're doing right. um, and, and go at it and not uh, be apprehensive. or Yeah, like um, making bold choices. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think what's cool too is the, the, the improv- improvisation part of it because you know, what, what you have to work with is not always exactly what you would consider ideal and you have yeah. to be able to shift on a dime. And I think as, you know, as a business owner, mm-hmm. we've learned that a lot about oh, yes. being flexible. So w- what about that process makes that exciting when those challenges come up? I mean, that, the, that's the most fun I have making wine when we have challenges. Yeah. Uh, it gets kind of boring when you have these good, easy years. Right. Um, so to have challenges and obviously approach them well and be successful to me, to me making, 
great wine in uh, in not the easiest. I wouldn't say bad vintages because California doesn't really have like bad vintages like Europe does. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, we just have kind of different vintages. Mm-hmm. Whereas Europe, it's very clear. It's good, middle, and bad. Yeah. Generally, you can put a title to every vintage in Europe. Yeah. Um, so the, rolling with those punches, and you know, on the one hand, you have this kind of philosophy, and you need to be stubborn. You need to be. You need to be stubborn, you need to be confident, but you can't be dogmatic. Right. Otherwise, you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. So there's a fine balance. And I think art is similar where you need to be confident, but you can't be cocky or it'll come back to bite you. Right. Um, and I'm sure acting's yeah. similar. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's about risk yeah. a lot of times. And, you know, sometimes that risk pays off. And then when it doesn't pay off, you learn from it. Yeah. And well, then I, in the last 13 years from 20 to 07 to 20 mm-hmm. now, um, what has been sort of the most, the, the most challenging thing that you have had to overcome that became a success and then also the other way that then you learned a lot? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think I started the company in 07. Mm-hmm. So the first product I sold was in 2009, which most people remember terrible economy, terrible yes. time to sell wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I felt like if you started a business then, you kind of things were only getting better. There, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Can only go up from yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of nice. That's so um, true. Uh, as far as winemaking goes, you know, there's, uh, there's numer- numerous wines, which I remember pouring for people. The 09 Vienna Cito, I remember pouring for some friends of mine in Napa and um, not being sure if that was the best wine I ever made or the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, wow. And, and now I think it's, it's probably one of the better ones. So, you know, you learn from success you've had. You learn from some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you think, oh, I should have done this a little differently. But it moves very slowly. Right. If you just change, 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 you can't really track yourself. Right. And then you only have one opportunity to make wine a year. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like... It's that moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's been some changes I've made, which I've actually, like, years later been like, oh, I, I was probably wrong about that. Right. Um, and, and gone back. But the, it's very subtle adjustments. Right. So I can't tell you the difference between the wine making in 18 and 17, but mm-hmm. I can tell you the difference between 07 and 18. And, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's important, you know, one, because you hope you kind of know what you're doing, so you're not changing everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our customers get to know our style and right. kind of you build some consistency in a good way consistency can be bad and it it can be good but i think consistency of quality is very important yeah so do you have your own vineyards like because i'm i'm envisioning like because i've been in napa and i have i remember you know going through and seeing all the lines of grapes and then you go in and have the tastings and there are only certain kinds of wine so my questions are do you have your own like vineyards and you're going out and you know doing it from scratch, picking the, the grapes, et cetera, all the way on. And how many different types of wine do you make? So um, since I have a bad memory, I'll answer your last question first. <laughs> okay. I, I just make Pinot and Chardonnay. We have some experimental things coming out for the wine club, okay. which will be like a white, a white Blanc de Noir from Pinot, white wine from Pinot Noir. Cool. A, um, we have a Syrah coming out. We have a tiny bit of port that I made, which is actually really good. Nice. I don't That's nice. exciting. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I don't drink a lot of port, so it's kind of a lifetime supply of port for me. But, um, <laughs> four barrels of port. Um, I don't think I've ever had port. All right, we'll have to, no, we'll have to get you guys some. Expand your horizon. It's yeah. a journey. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. and, and then as, as, as far as vineyards go, it's pretty... Um, I started the company when I, was, when I was in college. Didn't have any money, so I basically bought two tons of grapes. And bought um, four used barrels and two new barrels, and that's how I started the company. It was started in someone else's space using other people's equipment. So over time, slowly amassed our own equipment. Now I have my own winery in Lompoc. It's just a big warehouse. It's nothing fancy. 
So my friends from Napa come down and they um, they look around and go, "How do you make wine here?" And my friends from Santa Barbara come in and they're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" This is so amazing. <laughs> I think we need to take a trip to Santa Barbara. I, I, I really should. Saying, yeah. yeah. Field trip. <laughs> so. One of the things you mentioned about having a thick skin and then talking a little bit more about, you know, boldly going and making adjustments along the way. Now that you have over a decade of doing this, what are some things that you stayed true to from the beginning? You always knew that this was the vision and you stuck with it. And then the second part of the question is, what are some things that you've learned along the way? Mm -hmm. You guys keep asking me two questions at once. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, the thing I'm most proud of is having a philosophy from day one and sticking to it. And that philosophy was to make low-intervention, restrained wines from the great old vineyards of Santa Barbara. And that hasn't changed an inch. Nice. The execution of that has changed in subtle ways. Um, back in 07, I was actually known for using very little new oak. And we always used about a third new oak, which back then was considered very low. Now mm-hmm. I use about 10 to 15% new oak. Um, and then a lot of it is... Like I said, it's just execution of that philosophy. So the way we move wine is all by gravity, um, kind of building custom tanks so that we can get wine out of tank by gravity. So it's these very subtle things, which one or two of them really doesn't make a difference. But when you add up 50 of them, um, kind of just different techniques and developing. I remember in, uh, it was 07 or 08, I met Aubert Vlaine from uh, Domaine Romani Conti, who was visiting Santa Barbara. And... Um, he, he kind of pulled me aside. He said, you know what the most important thing for a winery to have is? And I'm thinking this is, you know, the world's most famous, most valuable land yeah. owner. Listen um, carefully. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking he's going to say terroir, old vineyards, you right. know, um, history, all this stuff that they have, you know, in spades, really. And um, uh, he said a philosophy. And I thought, really, a philosophy? Wow. And I, I, I still think he was totally true. Um, because that that winery, they have all those things. They have the most amazing land in the world, but they also have a very distinct philosophy, which they've stuck to over mm-hmm. generations. So, wow. Um, I always laugh when people start wineries. And I'm like, oh, what are you going to make? And they're like, I don't know, but I've got the label. Yeah. It's like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're kind of going at this backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. You should figure out what you, what you want to make, how you want to make it. It's like it. a book with the cover. Yeah. You're like, okay, now, now we got to write the page. Yeah. Or yeah. right, I meet young entrepreneurs uh, very often. I say, like, oh, what are you doing? And they're like, we don't know, but we want to disrupt something. And I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. That's really aggressive. Then go egg a yeah. car. Or, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's what I think we've learned is, you know, being business owners and working on our brand is that we always come back to that initial philosophy or mission. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, and it sort of answers every question. Yeah. And yes, you adjust and make adjustments along the way because you have to as the things yeah, change if it's a better, Yeah, if it's a better way of doing it, we adjust, yeah. but we but always go back to those core ultimately, values. Ultimately, everything comes back yeah. to yeah. that initial what we set out to do. Because also like the shiny object happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something pops up and you're like, ooh, that looks fun. But then you're like, oh, it doesn't really fit yeah. what like intrinsically why I started this. And you, you know? don't have to do everything. No. no. Um, Absolutely. We, do, we were just talking about yeah. that. Keep, we always talk about keep it simple, stupid. Like, yeah. it, it's essential for any great business. I used to get a, a couple of years ago, I used to get a hard time about not making rosé. Huh. And I kind of, so a friend of mine was telling me this and telling you me mean all froze, the... You froze, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love froze. <laughs> a, a, a friend Basis. of mine was, so was, was explaining to me how much money I was leaving on the table. And uh-huh. uh, I was kind of going, you know, I make wine because I love wine and I love this style. And yeah, it happens to be a business. Yeah. But I'm not super passionate about rosé. 
Yeah. I don't know the world of rosé. I haven't traveled tasting rosé. Right. Um, so I wouldn't just make something to make a quick buck. Yeah. And if you did, it has a way to come come back and bite you in the ass. Because, right. Because, yeah. um, you know, fast forward to now, people are actually having trouble selling their rosé, and it's not what it was three or four years ago. So totally. There's yeah, still a ton fad, of great rosé you know? out there, but so many people said, oh, I'm leaving money on the table. Yeah. Now everyone and their mom makes rosé. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know we talked so, a lot about, about the, the I talked a lot about the art in mm-hmm. winemaking, and I also know that that is also a marriage of science. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I've learned about it and learning about you know terrain and the varietals, it's really there's a huge science element. Yeah. So in the process of when you're making a vintage, what do you consider to be that key moment? Is there a moment that is like the make or break? Yeah, to to me, um, obviously farming is incredibly important. Um, one of the reasons why we can work so simply in the wineries because we work with great raw materials, and mm-hmm. that, that all happens in the vineyard. It starts with the soil, mm-hmm. you know, millions of years ago, and then it continues to how we work the land today. Um, so the farming is really crucial, and I'd say the most crucial, crucial part about the actual wine is when we pick the grapes. Um, California, uh, we have the luxury in Santa Barbara of having one of the coolest climates in the world for Pinot Noir. And um, we generally get about 130 days between flowering and harvest. Burgundy, as a comparison, in a good vintage, the benchmark used to be 100 days. Wow. Mm. So that extra 30 days translates almost exactly into 30 days of extra. If you look at the data from the solar companies, it's basically 600 extra hours of sunlight. Mm. Wow. So we basically work with a ton of sunshine in a very cool environment, which is ideal for Pinot. Um, the, the challenge with that is, and this is changing in Europe now with global warming, but the, uh, in Europe, they used to just pick their grapes as late as possible because they never really got their fruit as ripe as they wanted it. Right. Um, things are changing for them now, but we've always had to make a decision of when to pick. Mm-hmm. So my reputation is for lower alcohol wines, um, picking early, which um, I don't take offense to picking early because I used to use that word all the time, but I really think I pick an optimal ripeness. And um, what I mean by that is the uh, right, it's not dissimilar to buying fruit at the grocery store. There's kind of like a right. perfect, yeah. you know when something's underripe and you know when something's overripe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and like when you're at the avocado and you're yeah. like, is oh this goodness, firm enough? <laughs> Am I going to get yeah. some good guacamole? And the avocado industry <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually invented a, it was like a three or four kind of prong fork. Yeah. It would measure, it was basically a very expensive machine that would mimic someone squeezing the avocado. Yeah. And of all the science we have in farming and in production, um, it still comes back to teaching a machine to squeeze an avocado. So when, when the berries... <laughs> There's so, a sex joke in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Always. So it's, uh, it's uh, you know, you can kind of see when the plant's at, at optimal ripeness. So I'm supposed to say, like, this very sexy, like, I walk through the vineyard and I taste yeah. the grapes. And, you have a moment a lot with of nature, it's, yeah. A, a lot of it's visual and yeah. tactile. It's like, you can see the plants, the leaves are turning yellow, the canes yeah. are brown, the stems are mostly brown, if not all brown. Yeah. And right when the berries start to dimple a little bit, to me, that's optimal ripeness, because at that point, you're desiccating. Mm-hmm. And right. so, going back to picking early, I think I pick on time. Right, And yeah. everyone mm-hmm. else picks late. Yeah, there you but go. But <laughs> that's just me. So, so, I'm a big red wine fan. I love red wine. It's my favorite. So, I but, can tell. But, but here's the one. <laughs> but here's the one thing that I've been wanting to learn more about and be getting more into is how to pair wines, the different wines, with the different foods. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I never seem to can pick the right 
flow of taste, so to speak, right? So if I'm having a filet, which red wine would be the best to go with that? Or if I'm having a chocolate dessert of some sort, what would be the best wine to go with that if I'm only into red? So I'm kind of trying to educate myself, but it's kind of difficult because, I don't know, I just go by taste and I just kind of stick to what I know I like Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always flow real well at the meal. Mm -hmm. And your guests complain. I mean, nobody really complains. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they know the difference. But like, but, but me personally, I'm like, yeah. ah, that doesn't really flow well. Or I'm like, oh, that was a great wine that I had last week. Let me try that with this meal or yeah. what have you. So can you talk a little bit yeah, about sure. um, food and pairing that with wines? Yeah, so for me, I, I honestly don't. Um, I love making wines that pair well with food. I think um, wines which have good, good acidity and are well-balanced, not too acidic and not too alcoholic, um, pair well with a lot of different things so you can get away with a lot mm-hmm. on a very simple level i like to say good food goes with good wine mm-hmm. that that's like my basic benchmark yeah. um and then after that um you know i think you can look at pairing um the the obvious choice which works most of the time is to pair similar flavors so heavy wine heavy food lighter wine lighter food yeah. um i think more interesting is the contrast Right. So I actually love Pinot Noir with big, heavy foods and steak. and Yeah, likewise. You know, and high high acidic white wine with cheese to me is great because Mm -hmm. um, the acidity in Pinot Noir, even though it's a lighter grape, cuts the fat of a big steak Mm -hmm. versus having a Cabernet, which has tannin but not much acid, to me doesn't really add any, doesn't cleanse the palate and often doesn't pair that well with with steak in my opinion. Right. Um, So part of it also comes down to personal taste. Um, and just experimenting. There's no wrong answer. It's kind of like reading the Torah if you just do it confidently. <laughs> um, you know, and what's here? Yes. So, so um, I, this is a little funny story, but when I was in Sedona, I went on a, a wine tour and I asked the same question, and the woman said, Well, when in doubt, pick bubbles. Yeah. I said, okay. <laughs> I don't know what exactly that means, but yeah. I'm like, oh, Can I have the bubbles one? Yeah. Thank you. I mean, so, you know, I know you speak to a lot of experts when you do interviews, mm-hmm. um, but to someone out there that's just interested in getting started and appreciating wine, wh- what are those sort of first few steps to take to really start exploring the world? Yeah, so don't let wine intimidate you. Yeah. Number one, don't take any shit from wine. Yeah. Um, anything, <laughs> if you like it, that's all that matters. Yep. Yeah. You know, and people overthink it. You, you don't sit down and have a taco and be like, ooh, should I like this? What am I liking? Just <laughs> do you enjoy it? It should be very binary, yes or no. Yeah. And hopefully you find a wine. You just need to discover one, one wine, one seed, basically. Mm-hmm. So find one wine you like and do a little bit of research. You know, b- buy another bottle of that wine. Buy a bottle from the same producer in a different vintage, same producer, different wine they make. If you like their white wine, maybe try their red wine. Right. Then do some research about where they're from. Maybe try their neighbor's wines. Um, you know, maybe you like that grape and, and that's, you know, Shiraz from Australia uh, is really good and it makes you want to try a Syrah from the Northern Rhone. And then all of a sudden you've jumped to a new continent. And then, you know, you fall in love with one producer who, you know, used to work for someone who worked in Burgundy. And, you, yeah. can, you know, so I think if you just start there and don't overthink it and just slowly do research, you'll eventually taste the entire world of wine. Wow. Um, so I, that's my kind of keep it simple, drink things you like and let it come naturally. That sounds like a very much a, like a trunk and branches method. Yeah. So start with what you know you like. Yeah, and build on and it. And then just dig in a little bit. And you can retreat a little bit. Once you, you go somewhere you don't <laughs> yeah, like, like it, come back. Come back. Um, so... Yeah, and that's that's all I got. 
No, That's awesome. That. And I'm really also interested in sustainability. Yes. And what have yeah. you seen in the wine world that's changing as people become more aware of what the climate is doing? Yeah, I've started to, um, uh, we spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, it's definitely become a huge talking point. We sell more wine in Europe now than we do in the US. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, we get a lot of questions. We get more questions in Europe about it than we do in the US, which is fine. Um, it's interesting, there's some really good studies about what the impact of wine actually is. In general, um, it's a, it's a very gentle product mm -hmm. for the environment. Um, you, uh, grapes are very drought resistant. Mm -hmm. uh, they last 50, 60, 70 years. Um, the farming is, is pretty simple, especially organic farming. Um, the, the things that are big environmental impact are actually kind of surprising. Like I would think it would be shipping bottles, especially shipping bottles to Europe. Right. That's actually not a huge impact at all. Um, one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest categories for us in the wine business is trucking the grapes from the vineyard to the cellar, wow. oh, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I, you know, the, I could give you guys a very clean cut, simple answer, which is, um, you know, we ship on a semi truck, and, some, and that semi truck can hold twenty two tons, and sometimes we're only shipping four tons. Mm. So you're burning a lot of gas for not a lot of benefit. Yeah. Um, and the simple answer would be, we're investing in a sm smaller trucks. Uh, to do this and that, but then you buy a truck which you only use for three weeks out of the year. Right. Is it worse to stick to the semi, which is being used by a professional trucking company, or, you know, so I go down the rabbit hole of like, we're not actually going to do things just to say, hey, we check this box, right. but we're going to be kind of hypocritical at the same time. Yeah. So how to be truly sustainable is important for me, and so we ask those questions. Um, all of our vineyards are sustainable. Um, some are organic, some are biodynamic. Our goal is in the next five years to be 100% organic. That's amazing. I, nice. um, again, I think, not to burst everyone's bubble, but organic farming doesn't mean good. Right. Uh. And sometimes it actually means bad. How so so? There, uh, it can, you know, the, the general idea of organic farming for most of the public is that it's nothing. Right. Um, and if it's done poorly, you're actually doing a lot more. You're spraying more pesticides. They are organic pesticides, but you're spraying more of them. You're spraying copper and sulfur, both of which are, are deadly. Yeah. Um, so if, you, if, you, if your heart's not in it and you're just doing it for marketing, you'll end up spraying. There's a vineyard in Santa Barbara that sprayed 18 times last year. Wow. Wow. So um, that's not good yeah. for the yeah. environment, um, for the soil, for anything. Um, so the reason I say we're working at this over a course of time and really focusing on doing it right is because we're not just doing it to say, hey, we're organic. We want to be organic for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, so as a consumer, what are some ways that I can be more conscientious when I'm choosing wines? You know, so we, we have one end of the spectrum, which is do I like it, do I not like it, and can I advance my palate a little yeah. bit? Mm -hmm. And then on the other end is how can I educate myself about the process and practices so I can get beyond the marketing? It's, it's difficult. Um, I would say stick to small producers. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of small producers, if someone emails us, calls us, we can tell them how, and they have a question, we can tell them how it's done. Um, unfortunately, in the wine business, there's no ingredient labeling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the organic and biodynamic stamps, the kind of certification agencies, are kind of not very impressive. Right. So there's not too much information to go off, aside from me just saying, hey, wine's not that bad on the environment. Uh, the mm -hmm. bottle's recyclable. The cork's. That's one of the reasons I like cork, is it's grown on a tree. It's renewable. Right. Um, Absolutely. So we, we can, 
limit our impact in some big ways. But yeah, it's, it's tough to say, oh, you're gonna see this on a bottle and you're gonna know it's made right. Um, but I think that's it, that's just key. It's finding you know, small producers, yeah. small yeah. batch producers, just like yourself. Right. So Gavin, you know, I'm a friend of yours and you know, you, you've done this wine business, you have this successful winery, you've got a lot of accolades. I mean, you know, Forbes 30 under 30, recognition, a lot of um, newspaper outlets and, and magazines. What keeps you humble? Because you're like one of the most humble people I know in the world. <laughs> With all that success that you've had and continued success, what, what keeps you grounded? I think, uh, you know, I always think the wines should be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I look at the wines we make and I, and I go, I know they're good. I know they're better than the competition, but I go, shit, these should be a lot better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's just a constant, you know, you're looking for perfection. And it's kind of a pursuit that you hope you never get to. Because once, once you get there, what's the point? I feel the same um, way. But that, that to me is where I, I don't feel like we've even come close to our potential. Right. Mm. Um, so I guess that would be the, the yeah. simple, simple answer. Um, I, yeah. I, I love that because, I mean, every new show that I start, I always question my ability. Like, yeah. am, I, am I doing the absolute best decisions on this and is the outcome going to be what I want it to be yeah. and I always question it but the, what questioning that does is fires me up mm-hmm. it keeps yeah. me it keeps me going yeah. 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 so instead of getting defeated by you know the, your potential and have you reached it get excited about that or use it to push you yourself to the next level yeah, it definitely like fuels my fire a bit to get yeah. that but yeah. I think you I do that I think that you do you. that in every aspect of your life because you're not just a winemaker like you're also like I, uh, an adventurous like mountain man <laughs> like, no, you have no other better. aspects of your life that you just deer I'm, saver let's, yeah. let's dive into that what do you mean by mountain well I just just give them like just one other aspect of your life the other than you just being a really well, great winemaker the fire department yeah, yeah. I'm on the uh, the Santa Barbara search and rescue team yeah. which oh, is nice. um, yeah. one of the busiest teams in California we do about 200 emergency calls a year yeah and we've been busy recently with the fires and the mudslides and, yeah. and various things. So that, that to me is a kind of a selfish way to give back because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, and, it's, and it's the team's 100% volunteer. Right. Um, yeah, that's that, pretty much that's it. But not everybody, you know, not everybody does that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, it's important. Like, that's pretty cool. So awesome. if those out there want to get their hands on some Shannon wine, how can they go about that? Um, the best way to do it is, is probably go to our website, which is uh, ChannonWine.com, C-H-A-N-I-N-W-I-N-E.com. Um, you can also call us. My, my number is 818-631-2007, um, and we can set you up. We can ship to most states. Uh, we're also uh, widely distri- distributed in, can I pronounce that word? In, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> almost. In, uh, in, in Europe as well, uh, a little bit in Asia. So we nice. can get you wine regardless of where you are. We cool. just started selling wine in Russia. Wow. Uh, wow. So, cool. uh, and you travel a lot. Yeah, I travel a good amount. Um, I always tell people, I said, I think that's the key to like world peace is everyone, if they were able to travel. Like, yeah. Just yeah. because you get just to go. see so many well, different. Yeah. 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 Having a travel partner is nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, thank, yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Enjoy the festival. Let's do it again sometime. We need to have dinner. I like it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be yeah, coming we'll out come to Santa to Barbara. Yeah. 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 Absolutely yeah. be in Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. Sure. March 24th. Everyone come. That's right. Oh, right. Deal. I love it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Uh, I love Gavin. I'm so happy that he's here in Charleston for the Wine Festival. I think Festival. amazing. I learned so much. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, because I definitely feel like I'm in that space of I want to be a step beyond I like it, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so not only, you know, I loved loved what he said about don't let wine give you shit. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's my big takeaway from this episode. <laughs> and and yeah. I know that when I'm eating sweets, I know to pick acidy wines. There you go. Yeah, I like that too. He has hey. left us better than he found us. You know, it's Perfect. interesting just how there are so many correlations to everything that we all do, right? You know, the business ownership, the the pressure is a privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Those moments of, you know, really taking those those times and, and running with them when you need to pick your grapes. Yeah. Like, yeah. To yeah. Me, you know, that's and great. And the attitude you have about potential. Like you either let yes. that defeat you. Yes. Or, or you rise to the you occasion. Down, or you rise to the occasion. Absolutely. And let's not overthink things. Let's keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it I'm, still, simple. I'm still working on that. Hey, I'm done. Speaking of <laughs> keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Jen has I'm had all perfect. the wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking so, of keep it, keeping it simple, yeah. on the next episode of the show, we have Mark and Alyssa Zara from Off Track Ice Cream. Probably some yes. of the best uh, ice cream I've ever had in my entire life. It is, yeah, it is the most good. simple ice cream, simple ingredients, but really it will knock and your socks yes. off so they'll Decadent. be on the show. Yes. Decadent. Um, can, Decadent. Can they bring some yes. samples? Oh, we'll absolutely have samples. The cookies and cream is absolutely uh, Yeah, it's pretty great. Mm. Yeah, they also have sweet tea ice cream, too. It's pretty great. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. God, y'all are going to ruin me. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> There's yeah. not enough Wine and ice cream, keep, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No wonder we have a gym. No wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps us in business. That's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Hey, folks, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for everything. Bye, guys. Bye, y'all.